Welcome to the Jesus Famous Youth Teachings Podcast. Our vision is to see Jesus famous in the lives of the youth of our church. We want to see youth have opportunities for them to come to know Jesus in a complete and whole way and be united together in love, and most importantly, strengthened in the moments of discouragement. Jesus Famous Youth meets on Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. and has a middle school program available on Sundays at 11 a.m. Now, let's get into our teaching. So, like I said, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 15 tonight. Corbin, come on up. Mr. Corbin's going to read. Come on over here, Corbin, to this mic. Yeah. So, so Corbin, hold on, Corbin. Let me pull it up here. Where is it at? Carbon dioxide? What? Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, guys. My computer. What's up? What's up? I know. Hold on, bud. Gotta pull it up on here. Technical difficulties. All right, so go ahead and follow along, guys. I'll pull this up while Corbin's reading. So 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 11. Shh, middle schoolers. Now right. I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast up to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as the first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of, the, of them, though it was not. But I, the grace of God, that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so he preached to you, so you believed. So, Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for your night, this night and what you're doing in us and through us as we read this scripture. And, Father, just as Paul, his heart was for the church in Corinth to understand and have a grasp of what it meant to remember and hold fast to your death and resurrection, Lord, we also want to just hold to that tonight as we prepare for Easter and Good Friday this weekend and really this holy week that draws us to a place of seeing and remembering all that you did for us. Help us tonight to remember that, to draw close to you. We give you praise in your name. Amen. Thanks, Corbin. Appreciate that. Uh, all right, guys. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 11. Shh. Calm down. All right. Middle schoolers, if I find a single water bottle in here, a water bottle lid, like, you will be outlawed from water bottles. Okay, guys? Like, <clears throat> all middle schools will be outlawed. All right. So 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 11, as Corbin read. So, shh, okay, guys. Hey, gentlemen. All right, so as Paul writes this letter, or this part of the letter to the Corinthian church, his heart is that they would come to a place of remembering or understanding really like the path they're on and remembering what got them on that path. And not just what got them on that path, but what's the end result of that path. And so kind of coming to this this 
idea of what Paul was writing, what came to mind was actually the Pilgrim's Progress kind of outline or path that Christian was on. You, who, who in here has read the Pilgrim's Progress? All right, some of you guys have the book, Pilgrim's Progress. Um, actually, Marvel Comics back in the 90s did a really awesome graphic novel of it that was really true to, to, to Mr. Bunyan's writings in it. Maybe you've seen a cartoon or some type of variation. Connor, um, come over here and sit next to Jamie now. Yes, now. All right. Middle scores. I'm not messing around anymore. Knock it off. Okay. All right. So I want to put this map up here because basically as we look at the process that God takes us on or the, the path that God takes us on, if, I don't know if you can read that. That's actually a really neat kind of old puzzle that, that was drawn out of the Pilgrim's Progress. And what, if you ever read the story, if you, it's, it's the idea of the Christian walk. So this man, Christian, uh, his name was Christian, is called out of this city, that city that basically, basically was doomed for destruction, He's called out to go on this journey to the celestial city, which is heaven, basically, to, to walk through this Christian life and, base, and then end up purified and reformed and in this place of God's goodness. And so if you look at this map, basically you see the, this straight path that goes from the city of destruction all the way to the celestial city up top. And you see a straight path all the way through. And as he's going, you see some obstacles. You see some cliffs he has to go through. That valley of humilia- or, uh, yeah, humiliation there in the middle. Um, these other cities that he has to go through, these temptations. And then you see all these trails off to the side. right? You see all these trails that go to these, these other places of vanity, these other places of pride, these other places of, of, of really these, these distractions. And see, as, I, as we've been going through the book of Revelation on Tuesday nights, I thought it would be applicable to come to a place of 1 Corinthians and what Paul's heart is, because we find ourselves, really, as we grow and mature, on the path that God has us on, but it's really easy to get distracted, isn't it? Like, even though maybe this, the path is straight, sometimes it's tempting to, like, you know, well, maybe if I take this left here, like, it'll be easier to get where God has me. Or maybe if I take this shortcut, or maybe if I... I you know, cheat a little bit here or lie a little bit there. Or maybe if I, if I just try to play the part long enough, I'll, I'll, it'll, it'll happen eventually. But see, you guys, Paul wants to bring us to this place of, of knowing, first off, what path you're on. And then ultimately, what's the end result and why is it worth going down that path? Now, now spoiler, guys, right? The, the path that we're on is, is, is the foundation of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, that's what put us on this path. That's what keeps us on that straight and narrow that goes from the city of destruction all the way to the celestial city. And every day that we walk down that is Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. But see, as we go down it, we need to continue to remember that and bring us back to that. And that's what the season does for us. Is it reminds us why we're on this path as Christians. It reminds us why we call ourselves Christians. You know, Sunday was Palm Sunday. Middle schoolers, we taught about that in, in Sunday class. And and the idea of Jesus being, being triumphantly entered and brought into the city. And then the Holy Week, this whole week that we're in right now, all the acts and the, the, the things that Jesus said and did that led to eventually Friday, which is Good Friday, the day that Jesus is crucified on the cross. And then Sunday when we gather together as a church, we're remembering that Jesus being fully man but yet fully God died, physically died, breath left his lungs, heart beating no more. Buried for three days in the tomb, and then by the power of the Holy Spirit, God raising him from the dead. This is why we call ourselves Christians. This is why we stand the way that we stand. This is why we believe in morality the way that we believe. This is why we call truth, truth, and it's not relative. This is why we are on this path. 
This is why we are going towards the celestial city. This is why we are going towards God's kingdom. Yes, the beautiful part is that we get to live it here and now. And that's what my hope is, that as we reread through this tonight, that you remember, like, man, I'm part of God's kingdom now. Like, I'm, I'm remembering these things that Paul wants me to remember now. He even says that there in verse, 15, or in verse 1 of chapter 15, he says, Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters. I just want to remind you of this. And so, and so this is the heart of it. I hope you guys get this tonight. And um, I hope this just encourages you and continues to kind of help you put one foot in front of the other as you grow in Christ. So let's get going. So 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 and 2. Paul says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now, as Paul writes this, verses 1 and 2, really this says about man, this says about you and I, you guys, that we can easily forget who and why we are on, we are the way that we are. We can easily forget, just in the same way if you were to read the story of the Pilgrim's Progress, Christian, you know, he is like very, he, he's set like flint, man. He knows the direction he needs to go, but there's times that he's distracted. There's times that he forgets what the mission is. And so we can easily forget, and so we need to be reminded. And so what are some ways to not forget who we are in Jesus? What are some basic ways that Paul actually lays out in these first couple of verses that you and I can remember, like, who we are? so that we don't forget who we are in Jesus, because that's really what matters. Well, the first one is Paul, an older Christian man, writing to younger Christians in a church that he planted in Corinth. Basically, listen to older and wiser men and women in the faith you love and respect. Young Christians, you guys, you need to find older men and women that you really do love and respect, and you can listen to. I mean, that's really what this youth group is, is there's these leaders that are around you, man. Maybe they're only a couple years older than you, but the fact is they've lived longer than you. Their faith is a little bit wiser than you. Their faith is a little more aged, a little more, a little more sweet than yours is right now. And so these are men and women that you can listen to. These are men and women that want to remind you, just as Paul was reminding the church in Corinth. You guys, that doesn't change. I, even me, you know, I'll be 38 this year, and, and I, there's older men and women that I listen to, that I call, that I confess to, that remind me of my calling. Number two, you guys, we stand firm in the true gospel, the good news. Paul says there, I want to remind you, brothers, of the gospel. See, we use the word gospel a lot in church, right? It's, if we hear it in songs, pastors preach it, but we forget that it literally translates to good news. You know, if you go up to someone and say, hey, I want to tell you about the gospel of Jesus Christ, they're going to know instantly, man, you are like one of those fanatical Christians. You just want to proselytize me like you got something going on. But if you walk up to someone and you go, hey, do you want to hear some good news? Most of the time, they're a little bit curious, right? They're a little bit like, sure, I want to hear some good news. There's a lot of bad news in the world right now. I want to hear some good news. See, the thing is, Jesus, what we believe and what Paul wants to remind us of is that this gospel we believe in is good news. It's good. There's nothing bad about it. In all the things in, the, in life that can be kind of good or half good or, or even mostly good, there's still like things that that aren't good in them, right? There's nothing perfect within this world. There's nothing, no perfect relationship. There's no perfect boyfriend or girlfriend. No perfect movie as good as John Wick was. It's not perfect, right? Like, like there's this not, okay? And there's no perfect song, right? Maybe that song fits your mood right then. It's like, it, it just gets me right now, right? Like maybe that playlist is just like, man, it's just like, I understand it. It understands me. That 
artist has no idea who you are, nor were they thinking of you when they wrote it. I'm sorry, but there's no perfect. But see, the good news of Jesus Christ, this is perfect. This is the best news that we can receive, that you can share with others, that we can be reminded of each and every day, the good news of Jesus Christ. The next one to help us remember who we are in Jesus is never hold loosely the fact that you are saved alone by the good news of Jesus Christ. See, Paul there says to hold on, right? I preach to you that you receive in which you stand, by which you are being saved. You hold fast to the words that I preach. See, sometimes we loosely hold on to this idea of Jesus in our life, this idea of Jesus being Savior. No, you guys, we need to clench on to the idea of salvation like it is life or death. You need to hold on to the idea of Jesus, that you are saved by him, like you are going down a 90-degree uh, incline on a, on a bike that has no brakes, right? Like, and you know there's going to be a bottom eventually, but you are holding on to that sucker like it is life or death. We need to hold fast to who Jesus is because, you guys, this is what it's about. This is what it's about, we, that we are saved by Jesus. That good news I just talked about, it saved you. It saved me. It saved your parents, hopefully. It saved your friend that you invited to youth group that said, I want to be a Christian. You didn't save them. Your parents didn't save you. I sure in heck didn't save you. But the good news of Jesus Christ, you guys, that's what saved you. And lastly, what helps us remember who we are in Jesus is all this can be in vain if you choose to forget. All this can be in vain if you choose to forget. I know it's kind of funny, huh? Um, in the midst of a long, I actually just woke up from a nap. I take a nap on Tuesdays because it's literally like a 16-hour day for me. What? No, because it's literally a 16-hour day for me. And, and so I just woke up from my nap and put this slide together. I'm like, oh, that's good. So in the midst of a long day, don't forget, Jesus took a nap. Okay, anyway, my last one. All of this can be in vain if we choose to forget. See, Paul was so concerned for the, Corinth, the church in Corinth, the Christians in Corinth, that they would forget because once they would forget, you guys, just like that map I showed you earlier, and they would be so much more, it would be so much easier for them to take a, to, to take a distracted road. To, to forget these things, these fundamental truths of who they are in Jesus, it's so easy for them to fall into this ideology or to, to chase after this false theology or to listen to the lies of the world that say, you belong here or you look this way or you should act this way when Jesus is saying, no, come back to me. Your identity is in me. Your calling is in me. So we cannot forget who we are in Jesus, you guys. This is kind of the part that Paul wants to start with before he gets into the hard truth of the death, resurrection, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Then continuing in verses 3 and 4, he says, For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in the accordance with the Scripture. So Paul twice in these three verses says with, to accordance with the scripture, he's reminding them that, listen, this isn't just something I'm preaching. This isn't just something that the other apostles are preaching, but this is in accordance with scripture. What Jesus fulfilled, what Jesus fulfilled as he came, as he lived, as he died, as he was buried and rose again and then ascended and now sits at the right hand of the Father, it was all foretold in the Old Testament. He fulfilled these prophecies. He wasn't just some random guy who was really, 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 really lucky and fulfilled a couple prophecies. No, like he fulfilled what the Old Testament had pointed to. Every page of the Old Testament points to Jesus, and he fulfilled that. Paul wants us to be remembered about that. So looking at verses 3 and 4, it reminds us as men and women that we need to make the most important thing most important to us. 
When we look at the Old Testament, we look at all the prophecies that lead to Jesus and how he fulfilled those. When we look at, too, even this week, this, uh, from Palm Sunday to the Holy Week to Good Friday to Easter, this is what's important. Sometimes we can get wrapped up in the fundamentals or the gray areas of faith or the gray areas of church, you know. Um, sometimes we get wrapped up in like, well, this church does it that way and our church does it this way. And well, we believe that the world is this old and you believe the world is this young. And we get wrapped up in so many different things, right? Like that youth pastor has tattoos and piercings. Oh my gosh, right? Like, like that woman's wearing pants at church, you know? Like we get wrapped up in these things. Yeah, <laughs> we get wrapped up in these things. But we need to make the most important things most important to us. See, I want to be a youth group and I don't know about you guys, but I want to be a youth group where we make Jesus the most important thing, where we make salvation the most important thing, where we make young men and women that come here understand that they are known by the God that created them, that they are loved by the God that created them, that God, the God that created them has a purpose and a place for them. So what are the most important things, guys? Well, if we know the information is important, we need to deliver, to deliver it and receive it. Paul says, he says, I delivered it to you as first importance what I also received. So in essence, when something is really important to you, when someone comes to you and they give you like something of, of real value, something of real treasure, and they say, here is this, this gold, here is this treasure, now go share it because it's, it means life and death. It means, it means something of, of grave importance to all that you meet. See, wouldn't you share that? See, if someone came to you and said, here is literally, here is the cure to cancer. Here it is right here. Go share it with the world. Man, I would, I, I would hate to meet the person that goes, nope, I'm going to hide this in my closet. I'm going to stuff it in my sock drawer. No one's going to know about this. But see, we treat our faith like this, don't we? We treat the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ like this. You come to youth group on Tuesdays, and I'm so glad that you're here, and I'm so blessed and, and that I get to be a part of the miracle of kids coming here every Tuesday, and you don't have to be here. No one's twisting your arm to be here. You want to be here. And so I get to be a part of that. But see, you receive something just as Paul sent it and delivered it to the Corinthian church. You receive this good news that you, have, you are being given the salvation, the good news of Jesus Christ that is the salvation of the world. Now go share it. Go, go share it. Go deliver it to others. And so many times we go, no, I'll stuff that in my, so- my sock drawer. No, I'll set it on my nightstand and let it collect dust for a couple weeks. We do this. You guys, we, this shouldn't be because the fact is, if it's important to us, we will share it. If it's important to those around us, we're going to share it. So if we know it's important, we'll receive it, we'll deliver it. You guys, again, this is Christ died for our sins in accordance to the scripture. Paul wants to remind us that Christ died. See, this holy week we're walking in right now, even tonight, it's leading us to the cross. It's leading us to the cross that Christ died on that cross that Jesus put himself on that cross so he could bear, he could take on all the sins of past, present, and future. Every wrongdoing, you guys, every brokenness that anybody in this room has ever done, any brokenness that anybody has ever done in this entire world, in all humanity, Christ took upon himself to the point where the world went black, to the point where Jesus, who had connection with the Father, his in, through eternity was separate from the Father. He took that upon himself, and, and brothers and sisters, we, we forget how important this is, that you and I, without Jesus, we are dead in our sins. What does a dead thing do? It rots. It's already dead. If a dead thing died, it's dead. It just rots. It does nothing. 
A dead thing does nothing. It just decomposes. It just decomposes, guys, right? It just decomposes. So if we were dead in our sins, we were of no value. We were, just, we were just manure, you guys. We were just decomposing. And so the fact is that Jesus delivered us. He delivered us. And according to the scripture, we know, we believe that this is important because everybody that's not in Christ, shh, listen, guys, everybody that's not in Christ is still dead in their sins. If you have friends that aren't Christians, you have family members that aren't Christians, you guys, they are dead in their sins. And, and I want to just lay that before you, that pray for them. Pray for what God would have you do. See, it's important to us that he was buried. See, Jesus, the mystery of God becoming man, that he never lost his godhood, he never lost any of that power, any of that omnipotence, any of that all-knowingness, he never lost any of that. But yet he humbled himself to take on um, flesh, to take on being a man, so that he could physically be put on that cross, nailed to that cross, he could physically take on the sins of the world and then physically die so that he could be buried. See, this is so important to us as Christians because our Savior, our God, is not just this far-off concept or far-off deity, but he became flesh so that he could live and breathe and talk and go through all the things that you and I would ever go through. So where in the book of Hebrews we read, we have a great high priest who can sympathize with us. He's not just some high-off pope that you may see one day on TV or, or, or some, some religious figure that just you know, walks around with a white robe on. No, he, he wallowed in the muck with you and I so that we could understand that our Savior, our God, loved us enough to take on any burden, any brokenness, any sickness, any harm, any pain that you and I would ever take on all the way to the grave. Lastly, it's important we understand this because he was raised on the third day. He was raised on the third day, and this is according to Scripture. It was preached, and it was taught, and it was prophesied in the Old Testament that Jesus would not stay in the ground, but that he would raise again. And see, the thing is, you guys, if Jesus never rose from the dead, then what we, li- what we believe in is, is vain. There's no reason for me to be up here. <laughs> There's no reason for you, be, you be, for you to be here tonight if Jesus did not raise from the dead. Your faith is in vain. Your faith is worthless if Jesus was still in the ground. Will you believe according to scripture, according to first, ten, first century testimonies, and the fact that there is no body that Jesus rose from the dead? He had to have. For it to be completed, not just conquering sin on the cross, but then death, the great equalizer of man, the great consequence of sin, it had to be that he rose from the dead. And Paul wants to remind us that this is in scripture, this has always been, and it always will be God's plan. You guys, this is what this week's about. This is what you and I need to remember each and every day when we're on that path. That's what keeps us on that path, is remembering that no matter what we go through in this life, our God became flesh so that, that he would go through it with us, and he is still going through it with us. All right, verses 5 and 9, he says, And that he appeared to Cephas, who is Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep, some have died. Verse 7, then he appeared to James, then to the apostles. Last of all, verse 8, as to the one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church. Now as Paul, he, he, he kind of slams us in the face with verses 3 and 4. 
This is what keeps you on the path. This is what you believe in, Christians. This is what's so important for us. This is what the good news preaches. And then the testimony of this is spoken out all through Judea, all through the, the, the countryside, really all through Rome. The fact that when Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't just like raise and disappear, but he revealed himself. He showed himself, as Paul writes down here, first to Peter, then to 500, then to James, who was actually his half-brother, that wrote the book of James in the New Testament, and then also to himself, to Paul, who, who at, after Jesus had resurrected, actually was persecuting and killing Christians. And then in this amazing road to Damascus type testimony, Jesus knocks him off his horse, blinds him for a couple days, and then tells him, Peter, or Paul, you're going to serve me. You're going to be a force to be reckoned with in my church. It wasn't until years later that, that after Paul basically had gone to Arabia for multiple years and kind of got off to relearn the scriptures in a Jesus-type lens, that, that Jesus revealed himself to him and told him, you're going to be an apostle to the Gentiles. You're going to go to the world outside of Jerusalem, outside of the Jews, and you're going to preach the gospel. Now, this also says to us as humans, you guys, that humans have the opportunity to choose Jesus or walk away. See, Jesus revealing himself to humans, what that shows us is that God cares enough about us to reveal himself to us and to, to ultimately give us a choice to follow him or to walk away. Think about this, guys. Think about this. You have the opportunity, even now, when you hear the gospel, this good news, to either receive it and to like apply it to your life, or you can leave here and go, yeah, Josh is a bonehead. I, I don't want to listen to him. You have that choice. You totally do. But that's the free will God gives you. So really then this begs the question, what should your posture be once Jesus reveals himself to you? See, every human being, every human being will have a revelation, will have some type of experience with Jesus. This is the way it is. And so what posture should you have as you grow and mature young Christians when Jesus reveals himself to you? Well, if we look at Paul's example there, first he talks about Peter. Well, Peter was willing to follow Jesus anywhere. We look at Peter's testimony in the New Testament, we see that he was willing to follow Jesus anywhere, so he was available. He had availability. Your first posture with Jesus should be that you are available to do as Jesus calls you to do. The second one is James. He, see, James was willing to transform his life to imitate Jesus. If you read the book of James, what you see is a very practical faith that was willing to live and imitate Jesus in everything that he did. So he, was, he had usability. He was usable. He was willing to be in a place to say, Jesus, however you want to use me, I'm willing to be used. And lastly, Paul himself was broken and gave all for Jesus' kingdom calling. The man went all out. He was beaten, imprisoned, shipwrecked, all kinds of stuff. And so he was humble. There was a humility about Paul, even though he was extremely smart, extremely well-educated. The man was a Roman citizen. He could have taken a lot of different postures, but he took the posture of humility. See, as we walk down this path um, of, of Christianity, ultimately wanting to see God's kingdom one day, we need to remember to continue to be in this place of available, usable, and humble before our God. This will continue to remind us of the things Jesus did because ultimately Jesus was available. He was usable by God's will, and he was always humble. Now, lastly, in verses 10 and 11, as Paul finishes this out, he says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and the grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any, men, any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was in me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so we believed. Now, as Paul finishes this little section, he just wants to remind them about all of this, this whole Christian walk, 
All this we receive from Jesus this week, you guys, as we remember the Easter, the Easter season is all by grace. It's all by grace. And so this really brings us to this, this verse being about God, that his grace and spirit working in us is what makes us the men and women we desire to be. See, his grace, his spirit working in us is, is, is what designs us, is what makes us to be the men and women that God is calling us to be. Now, how does God's grace and Holy Spirit work within us, guys? You young Christians are, are growing in your faith, faith. You're learning what it means to be a Christian. Maybe you're watching your parents and you're learning some habits from them. Maybe you're, you're looking at me or the youth leaders here or maybe some of your teachers. And you're learning, like, okay, what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, like, let me give you something. If you call yourself a Christian right here, right now, middle schoolers, high schoolers, you have the Holy Spirit within you. The same Holy Spirit that's in me or Pastor Jeff or Pastor Nate is in you right now working in you. So how does it work within us? Well, first off, the grace we received is by Jesus and nothing we earned. So first off, the grace you've received to salvation, the, the Holy Spirit you have in you right now, you didn't earn it. You weren't just like this amazing kid and God's like, Wyatt, you're special, buddy. You get the Holy Spirit. No, you're a sinner, Wyatt, right? You are, right? I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. So it's by Jesus, right? It's by his work, we didn't earn it. God made, uh, God made you the way you are, but intends to grow and mature you. See, as Paul says there, I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Meaning, like, listen, I'm a human. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I have tendencies. I have habits. I have passions, desires. All the bundle that makes you human, that makes me human, that makes us what, what we are. I am what I am. I don't think Paul knew who, who, uh, who uh, Popeye was, but, like, I am who I am. Anyone know who Popeye is? Okay, a couple of you guys. <laughs> I was like, okay. So the thing is, like, you are who you are, but see, you guys, the Holy Spirit and God's grace working in you, he doesn't want to just keep you, you who you are. He wants to grow you. He wants to mature you into his image. See, number three there, God's grace uh, works in us to fulfill the calling God places upon us. See, maybe you are growing and you're maturing and you feel God calling you to something. He's calling you to, to be a light at your school. He's calling you to maybe talk to that one friend. Maybe some of you upperclassmen, you feel him calling you to, to something like YWAM or to Bible college or to the mission field even. Right? You high schoolers who are going to Thailand with us this summer, something in you put a calling upon you to go. Well, you can believe and you can understand and you can have faith that, that that calling, the Holy Spirit working in you will give you the strength to do that will give you the tools and the ability to take that step. And lastly, the Holy Spirit lives, works, and shapes you for the glory of God. See, the grace that you've received and the Holy Spirit that works within you is not for your glory. It's not for you to become this, this aces preacher one day or this, this amazing book writer. Maybe some of you will. But ultimately, it's for God's glory. It has to be. It has to be. So really, as we walk away from this, guys, you guys, and we apply it to our lives, first off, consider the path you find yourself on today. So what path are you on? You know, if you're a Christian, hopefully you're on that straight and narrow, but have you, have you wandered off? Have you gotten distracted? Have you allowed, you know, things of life, whether those are even neutral things like video games or relationships or movies or, or entertainment, have you allowed those things to distract you? Or, or are you continuing where God has you to be that, that, on that path? Number two, build healthy habits in your life that daily lead you to Jesus. 
These healthy habits are things like reading the Bible, like praying, like coming to youth group, like getting together with other Christians. These things that grow you, these things that mature you, build these habits that lead you to Jesus. If, habits, if you have habits in your life that are taking you away from Jesus, then cut those things out. Number three there, never forget the importance of Jesus' salvation from sin, his death and burial and his resurrection. And the importance of it. It's like I talked about holding on to that bike, going down a 90 degree grade with no brakes. It's like, don't forget how important that salvation is. Number four, when you, walk, when you talk to God, be available, usable, and humble. Sometimes we talk to God like he's a genie. Like we rub the lamp and it's like, all right, God, give me peace today. God bless my family. Let nothing ha- bad happen to us today. Let that boy think I'm, I don't know, cute. I don't know what, like, it's like we pray to God like he's a genie. But see, we need to go before him as available, usable, and humble. And that puts us in the right heart. It puts us in God's will rather than trying to bring God to us. And number five, live each day not in shame, but in God's unchanging grace. And ultimately, my, that last application, I want you to understand that, that all that Jesus has done is not that you live in a place of sin and shame, but in a place of growth, in a place of maturity, in a place of grace. That each day you can wake up and know, man, I made a mistake yesterday, but I can wake up today, I can ask for forgiveness, I can grow, I can mature, and I can continue to pursue God even in a bad place. So really, guys, as we, as we kind of close this, um, I really want you to understand something. <laughs> um, I love that. Batman slapping Robin. Um, how I feel sometimes as a youth pastor. No, uh, <laughs> Kid says something stupid, slap him. Oh, okay. Really, guys, um, as we kind of finish tonight, as you guys go into small groups, continue to be in that posture of just knowing that this is a holy week, that that we're remembering all that Jesus did for us and, and, and how important it really is, guys, okay? So, Father, we thank you for this night. We pray that small groups would just be blessed, that would small groups would be a time of, of just continuing to grow as a community, as ultimately not just with each other, but with you at the center, Jesus. So Spirit, I pray that you would speak tonight to to every student's hearts and minds in here. And uh, God, it would just be about you. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you at Youth Group on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. If you'd like more information about JFY or have a question, reach out to us at joshuas at calvary.com or DM us on Instagram at ymcalvary.